issues. What we see here is a clear violation of one, the right to privacy of Tiwonge and uh, Stephen. The position of Greenpeace is that it's been a disappointing meeting. Hey, good morning, everybody. Thank you for joining us. It is 11 o'clock a.m. Central African time. Thank you for joining us right here in the sunny Johannesburg. Uh, uh, We've got a beautiful view here of Johannesburg at the SABC headquarters. Thank you for joining me, Benjamin Mushatama. On our shortwave service on the frequency 7230 kilohertz on the 41-meter band to Southern Africa. Remember, on DSTV, we're on channel 802. And uh, if you want to stream us live, if you're in the continent or outside, you can do that on www.channelafrica.co.za. So let's look at the big subject matter today, which is our run-up special to the Democratic Republic of Congo's elections that are going to be taking place the other Sunday. And as was mentioned uh, by uh, Anne, uh, the fact that we're going to have a special broadcast and a few broadcasts leading up to then because these are important elections and have to be zoomed into due to the historical facts that we've seen in the past where we've seen failure when it comes to credible and fair elections in the Democratic Republic of Congo. Well, the president of the Democratic Republic of Congo, Joseph Kabila, is due to step down after 17 years in power and he says his priority is to ensure that the elections run smoothly uh, in that particular Sunday of the elections. Meanwhile, the European Union has prolonged sanctions against the man Kabila has chosen to be his successor. Emmanuel Ramazani uh, Shadari continues to have his assets frozen and has a travel ban in Europe. The ban by the EU was sanctioned uh, because the economic uh, bloc claims that Shadari obstructed last year's electoral process. Now let's listen to this short report by BBC's Louise de Wast, who's elaborating on the stepping down of uh, Joseph Kabila as president. There is nothing that we are going to rule out, but in any case, I have quite a lot on my plate, a lot to do. But um, our intentions, short term, and our ambition is to make sure that we organize these elections and that uh, they are perfect elections without any major, uh, any major problems. Well, that's the voice there of Joseph Kabila. We'll see if that is actually fulfilled there in terms of seeing these particular elections prioritize, especially the fairness and also making sure that there's inclusiveness in the process. Well, to help us on this particular subject matter, we're joined by Stephanie uh, who Walters, who's joining us on the line. She's a Great Lakes region expert. I also have Avariste Kambanga, who is a spokesperson of the Congolese community in South Africa. Uh, let me start the conversation with you, Stephanie. What is your take of the stepping down of Joseph Kabila? There's still a lot of uh, people kind of waiting to see what's going to happen in the next two weeks. A lot of uncertainty and people not sure why he even uh, chose uh, Emmanuel Shadari as the successor. 
Yes, good afternoon. I um, I think that we've waited for a long time to hear whether Kabila would step down. Um, of course, he's not allowed constitutionally to stand for a third mandate. So what he's essentially done is respect the Congolese constitution when he announced in August that Shadari would be his successor candidate. Um, I think we really have to move on from that particular question now and look at the sure. environment um, uh, ahead of the elections in the DRC, where we have seen um, a, a, a significant significant um, in, uh, atmosphere of political exclusion, key political opposition leaders excluded from running for the presidency. Uh, we've seen crackdowns on um, free and fair, on, on, on free um, political marches, on, on, on meetings by opposition parties, and we have some very um, significant concerns about the technical process. And so I think that is really where our focus needs to be at this stage. Okay, I, I want us to just pause a little bit because uh, there's this one elephant in the room in terms of um, uh, Shadari as being nominated as the successor, uh, Stephanie. Uh, as I mentioned in my in- intro that the EU headquarters had uh, announced uh, this week um, that travel bans and asset freezes against Shadari will be actually uh, prolonged uh, due to the fact that uh, the EU believes that Shadari is actually responsible for for the obstruction of last year's electoral process. Do you think this will actually affect the legitimacy of Shadari and the current ruling party, especially when it comes to international perception? I, I absolutely do think that it will have an impact. Of course, um, Kabila nominated Shadari knowing full well that he was already under EU sanctions, and so I think he was trying to send a particular message to an international community that he feels unfairly pressured him. Um, should Ramazani win, uh, um, then that will create significant um, um, problems with regards to how the, the EU and others interact with him. Um, I, I just want to add that the reason that he is sanctioned is for um, ordering the crackdown on civilians who are protesting peacefully. Um, and so it's actually quite a significant um, uh, uh, reason. Um, he's accused of, of essentially facilitating human rights violations against the Congolese population. So these are the kind of uh, accusations that um, international bodies don't take lightly um, and that they can't simply drop just because it's politically inconvenient if you should win. Okay, let me bring in uh, um, Avarista in this conversation. I want you to touch base on those particular uh, two points because I think they are interrelated. The stepping down of uh, the current president, Joseph Kabila, and his nomination of Shadari. What are your thoughts? Uh, Benjamin, thank you very much and good afternoon to you and to Stephanie and the listeners of Channel Africa. Uh, yes, the news uh, of peaceful transition is welcomed by the Congolese community uh, in South Africa and the Congolese uh, abroad, the world, and also uh, in DRC. Uh, Everybody is really happy and excited that we, it is the first time that we will have a peaceful transition of power in DRC. However, we, we're not really interested in the choice of Shadari because Shadari is Kabila. Uh, only, the only thing that has changed is the name. They, these are the same guys, the same uh, a bunch of gangsters, of guys that don't want to see Congolese people happy. Uh, that doesn't make any difference. It will not make any difference unless something uh, mysterious happens uh, after these elections. 
but we most happy that with the fact that we're going to have peaceful, let's say, peaceful or transition of of power from one guy to another, and that is uh, uh, at least a prospect or something we need to to upload for the first time in the RC. And why do you claim that? Uh you know, Shadar is made of the same cloth of uh, Joseph Kabila. Uh, what evidence is there of that, uh, Evariste? Because that's a claim that I've heard numerous times, and uh, it seems like it's it's more of an allegation than something that has been proven as a truth of sorts. That is uh, that's fantastic. Here's the evidence. Shadari was the Minister of Interior Affairs, and it is during the time the EU observed or monitored uh, the orders and instructions that he was giving to, uh, to, uh, to the forces in the RC on the ground. People were protesting against the fact that Joseph Kabila wanted to prolong his mandate in the office illegally and illegitimately, and Shadari uh, ordered the crackdown on the peaceful uh, protesters. And remember, it was during the time that the two uh, UN experts were also involved or, or got, got involved in a murder, in assassination, and to this day, uh, the report, the final report of UN indicates that the, the Congolese government is, is, uh, had, uh, had a responsibility in that murder. So Shadari is not, is not, it's not an allegation. Uh, he was involved, he was responsible and decision maker, and many people died. We, count, we can account thousands of people died because they were protesting peacefully against Joseph against the fact that Joseph Kabila wanted to prolong his mandate in the office illegally. Okay, I want to take this back to you, Stephanie, because uh, there is a cloud of suspicion around uh, Shadari because there are people who say if Shadari wins, Kabila will still be in control in the background. That's That's why he would be willing to actually step down. Yes, I, 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 I think that's true. I share everybody's view. Oh, I think we lost uh, uh, Stephanie Walters there on our Skype. We'll try to see if we can redial her just in a few minutes. Uh, but let me take a quick break. I think this is a good time to just take a break. Remember, we want to hear from you, your thoughts around the way forward in uh, um in uh, the Democratic Republic of Congo. Remember, best way to do that is by emailing us. Maybe it's good to email us so we can broadcast your thoughts around what you think is going to be happening in the Democratic Republic of Congo. And maybe we can air them on that Sunday broadcast when the elections are taking place. Let me give you our email address, info at channelafrica.org. That's info at channelafrica.org. And uh, uh, we'd love to air your views and uh, get your insights on what you think the way forward for the Democratic Republic of Congo and maybe on the day of the elections we can air that and make sure that people's views are heard from all over the continent. Let's quickly take a break. We'll be back. Sunday, December the 23rd, is anticipated as the day on which the Democratic Republic of Congo, DRC, goes to national and presidential elections. Channel Africa will have special broadcasts in English, French and Kiswahili. 
So join us for this special event from 1000 hours to 1400 hours Central African time on the frequency 15170 on the 19 meter band and between 1700 hours to 1800 hours Central African time on the frequency 17770 on the 16 meter band. Channel Africa bringing you the DRC elections from an African perspective. This is one of our focuses today before uh, the elections on the 23rd of December. We'll be broadcasting live on that particular day and we'll be zooming into the elections. We'll be following them on the ground with our correspondents there and making sure that you know what's happening in this particular process because it is one that is very important, not only from an international perspective, but also uh, for the prosperity of the Democratic Republic of Congo. To see this long-standing dispute of having one man in power actually being resolved. If you're just joining us now, I've got the great pleasure of speaking to Stephanie Waltz, who's been trying to get her into our program for a while. Sometimes we struggle getting through to her, so it's great having her because she brings a lot of insight. She's a Great Lakes region expert, and also on the line we've got Evariste Kambanga, who's the spokesperson of the Congolese community in South Africa. Stephanie, you were speaking about those uh, that particular issue around the the parallel that people are making in terms of uh, uh, Kabila and saying that uh, uh, him and uh, Shadari are made of the same cloth and you're going to see actually uh, one um, group of uh, people continuing their reign. Yes, I think absolutely. Um, as as Evalis already said, I mean, Shadali was in a very senior role um, and had a had an orchestrating um, position um, in crackdowns on on human on on, on public protests. Um, he was the minister of the interior, and so he is part of the the, the Kabila system. I think it's also important to point out that Shadali, um, otherwise, is not a very well known political person in the DRC. Um, we speculated all of us for many months about who he would choose as his successor if, in fact, he did choose to step down. And there were many other people who did have their own political base who would have made more sense. Shadari himself has no political base. He's from a province called Manyema. He has a historically very close relationship with Kabila's family. And Kabila's family is a key element of the, of, of the elite and of the, the different players who are, who are involved in power in the DRC. And so I think that we have read all these signs and we've interpreted them um, to really believe that Kabila is not actually uh, moving away from power. He's just put someone else's uh, face forward and will, in fact, actually still be very much controlling things from behind the scenes. Okay, staying with you, Stephanie, because this is a point that you actually highlighted when we started that these elections are actually moving uh, to a, a post-Kabila uh, era uh, dimension. And that's where we need to actually zoom in and make sure that there's credibility in that regard. Because as much as we are seeing uh, the sign, which could be positive, where we're seeing 21 people vying to succeed uh, President Joseph Kabila, uh, we've seen uh, a weakening of the process in itself, where uh, the National Election Commission has barred uh, two giants in politics.
politics in the country. Uh, the former warlord Yer Per Bemba and the regional baron uh, Moisi Katumbi. And also that could actually make sure that uh, these elections are precarious. I'm told that we've lost Stephanie, but let me come to you, Evariste, in terms of that regard. The barring of um, Katsumbi uh, and the barring of Bemba Evariste, uh, do they actually compromise these elections? Uh, Benjamin, certainly not. We need to be a little bit afraid. Uh, on uh, each, uh, we need to be a little bit afraid as we are scrutinizing uh, the process leading to elections on the 23rd of December this year. Uh, barring of Jean-Pierre Bemba and Moise Katumbi is not really something bad because these two individuals uh, have been uh, a headache to the nation. We all know that Jean-Pierre Bemba has been convicted of certain crimes by the international a criminal court, and the Congress community uh, has a view that holds the view that we cannot want a, a bunch of criminals uh, coming trying to make their own their way back into political realm uh, to disturb and destabilize the whole country because the main objective they have these guys is to loot the country. Uh, Katumbi is one guy that has looted the country for more than for more than years. He was the governor of Katanga province of Mbashi, as you know, as a governor for, as a premier for 10 years. And there is nothing in terms of development, in terms of change. In the contrary, the country has led back into the same trouble even before the time, the trouble which cannot have been even compared to uh, uh, that one we saw before he got to power. So these guys... I have no uh, people's interests at heart. They're looking after their own interests. They want to come back into politics to uh, to 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 loot mm-hmm. the country, uh, etc. But we, someone Avarista could argue that particular point that that should be the voice of the people should be proven uh, via the electoral process and not pre that particular uh, election proceeding. That is, that is okay. But we need to be a little bit fair uh, in our judgment. Katumbi has been bought illegal, uh, legally, so by the, com- the electoral commission, and that is because he subverted the, ju- the justice in DRC. A Bemba, you know, has been convicted and we by the International Criminal Court. So uh, his rejection by the, 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 the electoral commission is also is, is fair. However, there are many candidates that are valid and that are running uh, this election. We're looking at Fayulu. We're looking at uh, Antoine Etienne, uh, Antoine Felix at Sekedi. We're looking at many other candidates, Matumulo, Adolfo Murzito, etc. And those are valid candidates that can run this election successfully. Mm-hmm. However, the process was also mired, and you know that there is something. Uh, that the opposition party did not want to see, or the people of DRC did not want to see, and that is the electoral, the voting machine. Mm, uh, the electoral mm. commission made sure that they maintained the machine uh, because the election have already been wreaked by years of this machine, uh, mm, Benjamin. Mm.
you, as you know the story. So we'll come so, to, to, to that particular technical issue uh, or the technological issue when it comes to the elections itself. But I want to bring this point that you're making back to Stephanie uh, because uh, that is worrying for me where we have actually made prejudgments of figures who want to participate in an electoral process and they get barred uh, to do that. Is that worrying for you, uh, Stephanie, to see the barring of Jean-Pierre Pemba and Moisi Katumbi? Yes, I think that there's no question that these are two people who have substantial political bases and who are a significant threat to the uh, ruling elite, and that that is essentially why they were banned from or barred from from standing. And um, you know, they uh, they both have. Um, um, high popularity rates, um, Luis Katumi in particular, you may think of them what you want, but they were excluded because they are a political threat. And the process of excluding them was not one that was uh, transparent or necessarily stands up to very much scrutiny. Uh, Jean-Pierre Bembo was uh, excluded by the uh, Constitution, by the by the Independent Electoral Commission and then the Constitutional Court on the grounds that he had been found guilty of corruption. It's a question of quibbling. The International Criminal Court has found him guilty of witness tampering, um, he has been cleared of other charges and crimes against humanity, and now it's a question of interpretation whether witness tampering is really defined is really the same as as corruption. So he was he was um, excluded on those grounds. Moise Katumbi has been out of the country in exile for uh, several years. Tried to return. There's a mandate of arrest. Um, pending against him in the DRC, and he knew that should he enter Congolese territory, he would be arrested. He was prevented from doing so and could therefore never actually register for uh, to be a presidential candidate. So I think that we have to look at those processes rather than necessarily looking at what different people think about those candidates themselves and their history, uh, which is which is a slightly different story. Is that something that we can do in this context, Stephanie? Because listening to Evarista is that the country is so polarized and not only polarized, but there's a deep worry of a repetition of the past, looking at uh, figures and their reputation. That seems to be something that weighs a lot on uh, the Congolese minds right now. Look, I think, I think, of course, that many of these political candidates um, have histories and have histories of having cooperated with the government and having been in government. I think that that is something that you find in the political landscape all over the world. It's not unique to the Congo. Um, I think that the Congolese political class, as a result of the last two years of electoral delays, has become more sophisticated and, I would say, more strategic and more impressive um, in many ways. Um, I, I, of course, we have some great candidates who are still in the running. Martin Fayoulou is a unity candidate backed by, by Moïse Katumbi and by Jean-Pierre Bemba. Vital Kamere and Félix Chisikini have a, have a coalition going on. So there's still a, 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 there are still very significant players who are also a very substantial political uh, sorry, risk to, to Kabila um, if, if, if we are looking at a free and fair election. I think the most important thing to people at this point um, is having the right to vote and having their vote be reflected. I think what everybody is worried about is that um, what, their vote won't count because it, the election will be stolen. And, 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 and that is really where, where the big concerns at this point lie. And we've seen over the last few days during the campaign, um, Martin Fayoulou yesterday in Lubumbashi, um, you know, the police cracking down on supporters of his who had come out to greet him uh, at his arrival. We saw people being killed. We 
about people being injured. I mean, this is the political environment in which this electoral campaign is taking place. I think that that is something we really need to, to be very concerned about. Okay, I'm going to take one break and then we're going to come back. And I want us to look at that particular process that uh, Stephanie is um, elaborating upon alongside you, Everest, uh, the issue of uh, the South Korean-made electronic voting machines. It seems to be very problematic and a lot of people are worried about them. And also, there's also questions around the lack of foreign election observers in this particular moment of elections in the country. And I think that's a very important dimension, especially now that uh, uh, the EU have come out this week uh, uh, saying that they've extended uh, the the barring of uh, um, Shadari and his assets remained uh, frozen in Europe. So that's a very interesting dynamic. And maybe we could elaborate on those voting machines and also just uh, the political space in that regard and the international element uh, that I just uh, spoke about. Hello, I'm Dr. Amalia Ganyus-Malka. Welcome to Womanity, Woman in Unity, the show that celebrates prominent and ordinary African women's milestone achievements in their struggles for liberation, self-emancipation, human rights, democracy, racism, socioeconomic class division, and gender-based violence. Joining us today in Santon, South Africa, is the Deputy Secretary-General of the United Nations, Ms. Amina Mohammed. Be sure to join Channel Africa at 10 o'clock Central African time on Thursday for this interesting episode of Womanity. Channel Africa, bringing you the African perspective. This is Channel Africa, South Africa's official international public radio station on shortwave, internet and satellite. From an African perspective. Guess what? You can now listen to Channel Africa using Silozi, Chinyanja, Kiswahili, Portuguese, French and English, giving you an African perspective. Hi, my name is Tandalunyenzovo and you are listening to Channel Africa. We are Channel Africa from an African perspective. Channel Africa, bringing you the African perspective. Hey, we're tired of those uh, times when, when you spoke about Africa, it's just a soundbite and you don't really get understanding on what's happening on the continent. Well, you are listening to Channel Africa where we contextualize the issues of the continent. Yes, we do look at things from an African perspective, something we're not shy about. You're right now listening uh, to me, Benjamin Mushatama. This is African Dialogue. We'll come to you every Monday to Thursday and uh, we look at uh, the big issues on the continent and international. Well, today we're joined by Stephanie Walters. It's great to be speaking to Stephanie Walters. I've always wanted to speak to her. spoke to her some years ago, and I've always wanted to speak to her around the issues of the DRC. Uh, she's a Great Lakes region expert joining us today as part of our panel alongside Evaristo Kambanga, who's usually speaking to us here on our program. He's the spokesperson of the Congolese community in South Africa. Now, uh, let's uh, look at the concerning issues that were highlighted by Stephanie Everista because 
these um, electronic voting machines, people are worried. Why is there so much worry around these particular electronic uh, machines? Because isn't this the process? Because in every country, there should be some form of electronic device that accompanies some form of support for infrastructure in elections. Yeah, Benjamin, thank you. Um, we have, as Congolese community, we have listed uh, five uh, concerns, uh, I mean, leading to to this uh, electri- this uh, the process leading to to the elections. Uh, the, the first uh, the first concern is that first and foremost, I would like to highlight the fact that Joseph Kabila made sure that uh, he's going to to to, uh, to 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 rig the elections in a favor of his camp, so that he can maintain an upper hand on the the the, the, up, the coming in the the government that is coming in. That's a big claim, Everisto. Why do you say that? Because. Because he did not want the Kabila's government did not want to organize fair, free, and transparent elections. The process has been mired already. Uh, remember, Kabila first and foremost didn't want to leave the power peacefully. He was uh, under pr- a lot of pressure by the international community and by the Congolese people and by by Sadek and by every every other political activist. So uh, he bowed to pray to the pressure, but. In exchange, uh, he wanted to organize elections that had been already rigged. And the best way for him to do that was to choose the way uh, to choose or to organize the, the elections uh, uh, with the voting machines. But the first, the first key thing is Joseph Kabila, I mean, the Electoral Commission excluded the international observers uh, to make sure the, 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 there's no monitoring of elections and thereof of the results of the uh, 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 there of the elections. The second thing is the, is the rejection of the UN assistance in terms of logistics. Remember, Congo is a is a traveling country. Uh, there's no better infrastructure, no better road, etc. So UN, which is MONUSCO in DRC, was in a better place, was well positioned and offered to. Uh, an assistance in terms of providing logistics to distribute or to dispatch the materials to the voting stations, the government and the Electoral Commission refused that, even though they did not have the logistics capacity. The third thing is the refusal to remove the voting machines, because these machines, first and foremost, everybody agreed that they were not verified or checked by the international standards. So we can conclude that the machines have been uh, automatically or programmed in such a way that they uh, bring out the results that favor Kabila's camp. The fourth thing is uh, the, 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 the training of the agents or of the electoral commission uh, team. These people have received the machines late. The other news that we have until this day is uh, some voting stations have not even uh, seen the machine. Some agents have not received the machine. They haven't worked with this machine before, and therefore they don't even know how these machines look like, and they don't know what to do, etc., etc. If the agents don't know how to use the machines, how are the voters going to use these machines? When are they going to receive these machines? We can estimate that so far there's only 40 or 50 percent of 
the 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 the, elect- the electoral commission members who have received the voting machine mm. but bigger chunk of people have not received that yet mm. and the people only see that machine on laptop on the mm. internet on the screens etc okay so that will be a chaotic election um, uh, on the 23rd of December this year. Okay, Stephanie, let me bring you in. You know, listening to Avaristia, I'm not doubting that he might have some insight uh, coming from his country, but it, to me, it sounds like such a conspiracy and like a cinematic drama uh, to see uh, or to hear some of the things that he's citing here, especially when it comes to the, the pre-organizing of the elections. Look, I think that um, the concerns that Evariste has raised are, are concerns that many of us do share. Um, I'll, I'll just add a few things, though. Um, on the voting machines, you know, we, we can't establish whether these things can be used to hijack the election. Um, but what we can establish is that they are not, they are not actually legal, according to the Congolese electoral law. Um, we're looking at a country which has almost no electricity. They have a 20-hour battery life. What happens when they run out? As Evariste said, um, there is the question of lack of familiarity with the technology, which is the, will be the case with many millions of voters uh, in the DRC. Um, and then there's just this, this scenario that somehow they won't be delivered on time or they'll generally just cause some kind of chaotic breakdown in the process or that it will take people so long to vote that we won't get everybody, um, well, everybody who wants to vote won't be able to. So we have a lot of concerns about this voting machine. And I think it's important to remember the context in which all this is happening. This, these elections have been delayed by two years. They've been marred by public protests. People are pushing for Kabila to leave. There is a clear lack of confidence in the, in the current government. If you, have, if you have observed this as a government and you want to hold a credible and legitimate election, why do you introduce technology that nobody is familiar with and that creates greater suspicion? And I think that is also very important. Um, and, and what they haven't done is reassure anybody about um, these voting machines. So they could have submitted these to an international audit for to an independent uh, computer services company who could have said, no, you can't simply hijack the, the results. Um, now, I'm not a computer expert. I don't know exactly how, how that would work. But you, if you want to create confidence, then you can. But you must take those confidence-building measures. So that's one point. My second point is that there's another element here that is very significant, which is that there are 10 million voters on the voters registration list who lack corresponding biometric data. We don't know who these people are. They may exist, they may not exist. What's going to happen to them? What's going to happen to those votes that they are allowed to cast even though we don't know who they are? And that's information we've had as a result of an independent audit done by the Francophonie in April. So we've had it for for close to, to eight months now. And the Congolese government, again, has not addressed that in any kind of a uh, substantial way that would, would assuage concerns about a lack of, of legitimacy. So I think that all of those elements are very important. With regards to observers, we do have 93 observers coming from SADC. They will be deployed to 15 provinces. Um, that is not a lot of people uh, in a country that size. Um, there are domestic observers, however. There's a, the, the Catholic Church is going to be deploying large numbers of domestic observers, and so, of course, we hope that they are able to do their job freely and fairly. Well, Stephanie, let me wrap it up uh, with this last question. 21 people are vying to uh, succeed President Joseph Kabila. As I mentioned earlier, uh, this is a good moment and a good sign for a possible democratic process to move things forward in the country. What are we basing our hopes on looking forward into these elections or should we be doubtful 
citing these uh, issues that you've highlighted that are very deeply worrying, um, should we be more worried or um, supplement that worry with some confidence that things could change? Look, while I, while I wouldn't, I, I would wish the Congo a perfect election, I really very much doubt that that's what we're going to get. I think we're going to get an election that will be chaotic and where the outcome, um, I, I suspect it will be a, a victory for the Shadari camp, will lack credibility, will lack legitimacy, um, it will be contested. Um, we've seen, and, and this, is, this is also important, we've seen some recent polls about some of the key um, opposition leaders, Felix Tshisekedi polling at 36%, Shadari is, um, is much lower, under under 10%. Um, I mean, we, 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 Vital Kamere is boosting the votes for Felix Tshisekedi, we've seen Fayulu poll very well, and of course Moise and, and Jean-Pierre Bemba as well, who support him. So it is highly unlikely, in my view, that Shadari can win this election free and fair. But I am afraid that the, the election will be hijacked and that we are heading into a period of great instability. Okay, Avarisa, let me give you the last say. Just in a minute, give us your final sentiments. Yeah, the final sentiment is, even though the elections have been, have been already recorded, there still is a possibility uh, uh, that we, we we can we can balance we can we can balance the power just after the elections. We still have very uh, strong candidates in opposition on the opposition side, and we 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 hope that the people go and vote massively uh, uh, mm. to to to, sure. to just make sure we don't give a Kabila an easy task to mm. rig the election and to just to hijack the election mm. and do what you want. Well, thank you both for giving us your time. Stephanie, we've been trying to get a hold of you four times this year, according to my producer, so it's great to be speaking to you now. Thank you for uh, agreeing to come on our program. We really appreciate it. It's my pleasure, and I'm sorry if I've seemed elusive. I'm available <laughs> anytime from here on out. <laughs> and thank you, Evariste Kambanga, who has also given us his time. He's the spokesperson of the Congolese community in South Africa. Thank you both for your contribution. Thank you very much, Benjamin. It's your thank you to, to your producer. Great.